0: Well, it's officially homestretch time in Big East basketball. One week to go for the women, two weeks to go for the men. Bunch of close races, whether it be for regular season titles, first round buys, or even for teams to just find their way into the NCAA tournament. Going to cover that in a whole lot more. Hopefully with a voice that sounds somewhat intact, for me at least, on this edition of the Igloo. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. I know I had quite a busy weekend, and just a busy week in general. Um, And I explained why, because I had the great honor of officiating my brother's wedding over the weekend... And I'm not going to lie, um, probably the most nerve wracking public speaking thing I've ever had to do. Just the intimacy and essentially running the show and having everyone involved in it know where to go. Yeah, but hey, I got through it, um, yeah. Obviously did the honors of officially marrying my brother and now my sister uh, from Brazil. And obviously, you know, during this time too, um, her family, specifically her mother and sister, her maid of honor, you know, stayed with us for the week. So yeah, uh, shit's been a little hectic here in the igloo, not just the show. Obviously, talk about what I affectionately call my house here in Upstate New York. But uh, I just wanted to give a shout out again to uh, to the newlyweds. Um, obviously, my brother and his new wife, aka my new sister, uh, Matt and Gabby. Um, nothing but love for y'all. Um, and, I, and my brother, I know he has his podcast of his own, but on the psychological side of things, because, you know, that's where you guys degree in from James Madison's go Dukes. Um, and then on top of that, too, you know, before I get into the all biggies basketball, the, obviously the meat of this sandwich here, it was, you know, really great, because uh, other than his best man. I really didn't meet any of his college friends. I knew about him, never got to meet him until this weekend. And, uh, that was, uh, quite an experience. Um, uh, full disclosure. I know weddings can be an emotional time, especially when you're in the family, but for, for reference, I, I don't know if I'm a, I'm not going to say I'm a crybaby by any stretch of the imagination, but, when I'm overcome with emotion, yeah, I, I obviously I I will tend to cry. On the sports side, the times I have cried, let's see. Seen home winning the Big East Tournament in 2016. Also, when they lost to Kansas in the second round of the tournament in 2018, my senior year. And I bawled my eyes out because I realized like this is the last time I'm ever going to see a game as a student. Uh, but... Saturday yeah i absolutely lost it cried my i even got choked up during the ceremony but i completely lost it uh seeing the uh seeing my mom and my brother with the mother son dance uh set to uh Phil Collins's uh you'll be in my heart from uh the Tarzan soundtrack um obviously got to provide a lot of context here um so We had those Disney CDs growing up, like the Disney greatest hits. And on one of those CDs, the first song was that particular song. So it had been discussed and I was around for it. I think we were coming home from my cousin's wedding like four months before that. But I didn't know it was set in stone right then and there. Like that was going to be it. So, because of my naivety, if that's a word, the second those for the second the MC said from the Tarzan soundtrack, I'm like, oh, f- I'm fucked, and I just lost it. And I knew it was bad because my uh, my brother pointed it out to to my mom during the dance, and uh, my brother's best man's fiance, who was next to me, was like consoling me, like she saw like. Like I was, to quote Ron Burgundy, I was in a glass case of emotion, but yeah, busy, but really rewarding weekend as a whole. For some Big East teams, it was a rewarding weekend too, but I mean, let's start on the women's side, shall we? Um, I was very surprised that not only did Providence lose to DePaul, I mean, again, me picking Providence was a bit of a surprise, but I didn't expect it to. DePaul to roll into Friartown and just dismantle the Friars. The first and third quarters was where they won this game. Combined score of 53-28. And they went 86-64. Anissa Morrow named Biggie's Player of the Week. With the exclamation point of her week being a 31-point, 22-rebound effort. Against the Friars. 12 of 27 from the floor. 2 of 8 from behind the arc. Darion Rodgers added 18 points. 6 boards and 7 assists. Anaya Peoples got back into form with 17 points. 7 of 9 shooting and 2 of 3 from behind the arc. Kendall Holmes with 7. 6 points and 5 boards for Jory Allen. By the way, Mora with 3 blocked shots. And then off the bench, 4 points for Kiki Rimmer and then... Maeve McGurlin knocked down a three. Domination on the glass to Paul, 49-36 on the glass. Shot it a lot better to nearly 48%. 9 of 24 from behind the arc. They hold Providence to under 30% from deep. Leading the way off the bench was Nariah Scott in 28 minutes, 16 points. On 7 of 14, shooting 1 of 5 from deep. Janae Croons with 12 points, but on a not-so-great 2-of-9 shooting. Olivia Olson had 11 points and 7 rebounds, 9 points and 10 boards for Grace Afosa, 8 points for Kylie Shepard, 2-of-4 from behind the arc, just 1-of-8 inside the arc, 8 boards, 3 assists, and then Emily Archibald, Megan Herter with a 3 each, and then 2 points for Audrey Koch. So, DePaul, with a. Now they've won back to back games. They're just trying to string together some wins. You know, they got a good win over Seton Hall just a few days before that. And for them to split that four game stretch in just about a week, I think you got to be pretty content with that. At least I'd say so. Now in South Orange Xavier Seaton Hall Xavier held their own in the first half Seaton Hall kind of getting some separation you know in the in the final 5 minutes of the half going up 36-31 the defense really did their job in the second half for the pirates and Xavier just out of gas and they come up short. Once again, they fall to Owen 17 in conference Seton Hall. At least they finish, you know, their stretch of the four games in eight days. They also get a split winning both games at home, losing both games on the road. 72-59, the final here. LPL with 20 points and 10 assists, playing all 40 minutes. How about Azana Baines coming off the bench in this one? Uh, by the way, this was senior day, so uh, some changes in the lineups. Uh, Shea Hagins didn't start, and neither did Baines. So Alexia Lesh was um, one of the seniors, got to start, as did uh, guard Victoria Keenan. But Baines off the bench, 19 points, 10 boards in 26 minutes. City cooks 10 points in 30 minutes, four of six, from, four of nine from the floor, two of three from behind the arc. Shea Hagen's with nine points in 25 minutes, six points for Amari Wright to go with six boards and three assists in 28 minutes. Uh, Shaylen Pinkney with four points in nine minutes. Uh, Kay Satterfield two points in five minutes. In her first action since January 31st. So Seed Hall 50% from the floor. Xavier 47%. But 18 turnovers and the fact that Xavier is just one of six from behind the arc really does them in. Shelby Calhoun, the Lone Musketeer in double figures. 12 points, 8 boards, and 5 assists. Eight points from Taylor Smith in 27 minutes. Uh, Fernanda Ovalle came off the bench and scored eight in 15 minutes. Six each for Courtney Pranger and Nyla Blackford. Uh, five points from three different Musketeers. a Harris, Keisha Woods, who contributed the only three-pointer of the day for Xavier. And then Michaela Scarlett returned to the lineup. For the first time in three weeks, uh, five points, 11 minutes, and then four points for Kaylee Addy in 30 minutes. So Seton Hall, I mean, they only got two games left and they really want to s- sneak their way into a first round bye, more on the standings heading into the final week of the season in just a bit. Georgetown visiting Creighton and Omaha, just a dominant defensive effort for the Blue Jays, holding Georgetown to single digits in three of the four quarters, and the most points Georgetown scored in a quarter was 12. At the half, I mean, it was 40-13, to 13. and Georgetown gets more than doubled up as Creighton wins 75-34. to 34. 16 to lead the way for Morgan Molly, 6 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 5 from behind the arc. And by the way, no starter played more than 23 minutes. So it's kind of like the system that Creighton was playing last season where they were giving a lot of minutes to the bench. And it was almost like it wasn't the bench. It was more like a second unit that was equivalent almost to the starting five. And leading that second unit was Carly Batchelor. 24 minutes, 11 points, and seven rebounds. 10 points for Emma Rancic to go with six boards and seven assists. Four of seven for the floor, two of four from behind the arc. Lauren Jensen, nine points in 23 minutes. Her and Rancic had the most minutes of anyone in the starting line. Batchelor had a team high 24 minutes. Let's see. Back to the bench. Kennedy Townsend with seven points. Uh, six points for Rachel Saunders in 20 minutes. And then uh, rounding out the bench, Mallory Brake with five points and 10 boards. Five points for Jamie Horan. And then four free throws all from uh, four points, all from the free throw line from Keani Lockett. And then two points for Molly Mogazin, who only played 17 minutes uh, due to foul trouble. Four boards, three assists. I mean, Creighton dominated almost every aspect of this game. 44-27 edge on the glass. They hold Georgetown to just 2 of 17 from behind the arc and just 25% overall. Meanwhile, Creighton 11 of 28 from distance, 48% from the floor. Leading the way for the Hoyas, only one player in double figures. Grayson Bennett with 14 points and six boards. Kelsey Ransom... Seven points, three of 11 from the floor. So her struggles have continued. Five points for Christina Moore in 34 minutes. Three each from Kennedy Fauntleroy and Yasmin Ott. Uh, Fauntleroy was just one of seven from the floor, one of four from deep. Ott played 22 minutes off the bench and was one of five overall. And then two points for Jada Claude in just 12 minutes, one of seven from the floor. Now. In a game that. I really felt. That Villanova was primed for an upset. UConn shot that down. I mean. I mean you can't really blame me for. Feeling. Having that gut feeling of Nova getting the upset. After how UConn looked in their last game. But UConn really, really shook that off better than I expected. I mean, they kind of got, you know, I don't want to say lucky, but they really had to grind out that win over Creighton. And especially with the deficit they were facing in that game. But this time around, UConn got off to the start they wanted to, leading by four after one. And I will say, I know there was a huge threat about the poor officiating in this game because they let a lot of stuff go and missed a lot of calls and made the calls against UConn when they probably should have gone against Villanova. A good amount of them were plausible. Others, eh, I don't know. I'm not going to say that it was good officiating or that It wasn't bad officiating. I'm just, yeah, there's some really, some of these calls. I'm like, I I don't know how you missed that or that you call it on UConn and not Villanova. I understand it, but I don't know. I just thought it was a real stretch to think that all of those in that thread were that egregious. I, I just don't think so, or that they were, or that they, weren't called as they should. Some of them, the refs actually got it right based on the camera angles and, and all that. But nonetheless, UConn still won the game 60-51. And they did it with great defense. I mean, well, great shot defense. 33% Villanova shoots from the floor, just 20% from behind the arc. And UConn, 22 turnovers, I mean... Some of them were caused, you know, like by offensive fouls and all that, like sure. That maybe shouldn't have been called, I don't know, but 22 still not a great number for turnovers as compared to Villanova's nine. And Villanova kind of shot themselves in the foot, just six of 12 from the charity stripe. And they shot poorly from the floor, whereas UConn 42.6% overall. 3 of 10 from behind the arc. So they show that they, they really didn't need to make a lot of threes to win this game, nor did they need the depth either because they still won with six like they have been for most of this season. So again, 60-51 is your final at A sold-out and Pavilion, which was the first in that building for women's hoops in nearly 20 years. The last one being... In 2004, Lou Lopez child played all 40 minutes and scored 22 points on 6 of 12 shooting and 3 of 7 from behind the arc. Dorka Juha's 14 points and 10 rebounds, another double double for the grad student from Hungary, 5 of 7 from the floor. Meanwhile, 13 and 14 for Aliyah Edwards. So she's back into the double double column. But 5 of 16 shooting, yeah, it's not great, but and 6 turnovers ain't great either. Uh, Aubrey Griffin, 5 points in 26 minutes. Nika Mule held scoreless, but had 3 boards and 8 assists. And she really hasn't been looking like herself either. 7 turnovers for Mule in this one. And then Caroline Ducharme off the bench. 6 points, 6 rebounds in 22 minutes. But it says a lot about UConn that they hold Maddie Seegers to a season-low 21 points. 8 of 22 shooting, 1 of 5 from behind the arc. Lucy Olsen with 13 points on 6 of 14 shooting and 1 of 4 from distance. Bella Runyon gave a little bit of a spark off the bench. 31 minutes, 9 points scored, 4 of 7 from the floor, 1 of 2 from behind the arc. Brooke Mullen with 4 points and 6 assists in 33 minutes. Only a 3 for Maddie Burke in 18 minutes. As Runyon got... Most of the minutes that were played by Burke and Christina Dalcy... Dulce fouled out, playing only 17 minutes, just 1.4 boards, and also didn't block a single shot. Seagrass with three blocks, Runyon with two. So that puts UConn now in the driver's seat to clinch the regular season title. Well, they'll clinch at least a share of it with a win tonight. But because of owning the tiebreaker over Villanova, they'll automatically get the number 1 seed in the Big East Tournament with a win. Speaking of the team they're playing tonight, St. John's went on the road to play Marquette on Saturday. And Marquette just suffocated the Red Storm defensively. And first, third, and fourth quarters, they were dominant. A 28-point edge during those three quarters. 51 23 during those three quarters. Marquette, 61 38 winners. Leading the way for the Golden Eagles. How about 24 from Jordan King? 9 of 17 from the floor, 1 of 4 from deep. 6 boards and 6 dimes. Chloe Murata, a double double, 14 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists as well, 7 of 15 from the floor. Rosen Kumu with 7 points and 7 dimes. Uh, The bench was all right. 10 total points. Four from Nia Clark, who was playing just her. I mean, she really hasn't seen the court a lot in the month of February and just in general. I mean, she hasn't eclipsed the 20 minute mark in terms of playing times in two months. But she scored four points in 10 minutes, a three from Mackenzie in 19 minutes, two points from Makai Williams, and then a free throw from Kennedy Miles. Uh, Liza Carlin was six points in 18 minutes, and she was in foul trouble. Four fouls limited to just 18 minutes. And then uh, Emily LaChapelle held scoreless in 19 minutes. 46-26 edge on the glass for the Golden Eagles. And St. John's just one of eight from behind the arc and nearly 27% from the floor. Marquette nearly 42%. Leading the way for the Red Storm, Jillian Archer and Jayla Everett each with 10 points. Archer with seven boards. Uh, Everett 4 of 15 from the floor and provided the only three-pointer of the game for the Johnnies. Six points off the bench for Unique Drake in 23 minutes. Five points for Khadijah Bailey. uh, Two points for Mimi Reed on one of seven shooting. uh, Three minutes and two minutes off the bench for Sky Owen. And then uh, two points for Daniel Patterson. So heading into the final week of the season, right? Again, UConn can clinch the one seed with a win against St. John's tonight. Teams that have clinched buys, UConn, Villanova, and Creighton. trying to think if Marquette can clinch a bye this week or if they can tonight. No, they play Wednesday against Creighton. Uh, Just looking around. St. John's is only a half a game ahead of Seton Hall for the final bye. St. John's three games to go. Seton Hall two to go. But St. John's and how their schedule's working out, they got at UConn, Georgetown at home, and at Providence. Realistically, I think Seton Hall... Has to win out. If they want to get a first round bye over the Johnnies. Meanwhile, Georgetown, Providence, Butler, Xavier, they are locked in as your bottom four seeds. Georgetown, a half game up on Providence and Butler for the eight seed. Xavier, officially locked in as the number 11 seed. Still quite a few games left to be played, but UConn, Nova, Creighton all locked in for first round buys. UConn, UConn can get the one seed with a win tonight. Xavier is the only team locked into a seed already at the number 11 spot. So on the men's side, UConn hosting Seton Hall, the 20th ranked Huskies in a true defensive battle, and which shouldn't surprise anyone considering Seton Hall style. UConn went on a big run in the later stages of the first half. How big was that run? It was a 16-5 to run to go from a tie game to up double digits. They led by six at the break. Seton Hall made it close at times, but UConn was able to break it wide open Got as close as forty two forty, but UConn went on a fourteen nothing run that buried the Pirates, forcing them to walk the plank. Sixty four fifty five, the final. By the way, Kadari Richmond injured in this game and only logged seven minutes. I mean, this could doom the Pirates if he can't go. At least Friday, I mean, if they lose him for the rest of the regular season, God knows how long, yeah, this will bury their pirate hopes. The tournament hopes, rather. Uh, Jordan Hawkins with 20 points to lead the way for UConn. 7 of 17 from the floor, 3 of 11 from behind the arc. I mean, both teams just c- struggle to shoot the ball. Each at 18% from behind the arc. Uh, UConn 42% from the field. Seton Hall 39.6%. Uh, Andre Jackson, 15 points and 10 boards. Uh, Six each for Tristan Newton and Donovan Klingin. Klingin did it off the bench. Six points, six boards in 15 minutes. Uh, Just five points for Adama... Eight points, excuse me, for Adama Sinogo in 24 minutes to go with six rebounds. Alex Carabin with five points in 30 minutes and then four in 24 minutes off the bench for Hassan Diara to go with three boards And four assists. Lead the way for the Pirates. 16 each for Tyree Samuel and Al Dawes. Casey DeDeffa with 13 points. 5-9 shooting and also knocked down a 3. 7 for Femi Odukali. And then just three total bench points. Two from Dre Jackson and a free throw from Jameer Harris. So UConn leapfrogs Seton Hall in the standings. They now lead them by a half a game for that final bye. Seton Hall, three games to go. UConn now with four games left. Now, 16th ranked Xavier hosting DePaul. Xavier was dominant in the first half. They took a 22-point lead into the locker room. DePaul won the second half. Trying to find Xavier's biggest lead in the second half. Their biggest lead was twenty-eight. And by the way, Xavier was favored by 14, and DePaul was able to eke out a push. And they did so on a Umoja Gibson 3 with 6 seconds left. And keep in mind, people, it was 76-48 with 5 minutes left. So Xavier got scored in the final 5 minutes 20 to 6. But still it's a 14 point win Xavier 82 to Paul 68. All five starters for DePaul for Xavier rather in double figures. Jack Nungia double double 18 points and 10 rebounds. Uh Adam Kunkel with 16 points and 8 assists, 5 rebounds as well. 5 of 12 from the floor, 4 of 8 from behind the arc. Uh Jerome Hunter though who hadn't been scoring as much In recent games, I mean, his numbers actually have been pretty consistent. You know, he fluctuated between 6 and 11, 11 points for the past month plus. But he puts up 15 in this one and 9 rebounds. Meanwhile, 11 points for Sule Boom. He was the, To think he was the lowest scoring starter, that's kind of a shock. 4 of 12 from the floor, 2 of 7 from behind the arc. Cesar Edwards, 7 points and 5 boards off the bench. And no Desmond Claude again in this one. The only other point scored by Elijah Tucker, who made his first appearance since November 30th. Let's see. DePaul, 15 turnovers. Xavier, just 9. DePaul actually shot 45% from behind the arc. Uh, Xavier, just 32%. But inside the arc, DePaul really struggled. Inside the arc, just 15 of 37. Xavier inside the arc, 23 for 44. Leading the way for DePaul, Umoja Gibson, 6 of 10 shooting, 5 of 7 from behind the arc. Deshaun Nelson with 16 points and 34 minutes off the bench. 10 points for Javon Johnson. 9 for KT Ramey off the bench playing only 8 minutes. 6 points for Jalen Terry in 18 minutes. Uh, Nick Ongenda back in the starting lineup, but he fouls out for the second straight game. 21 minutes, 5 points. 2 of 11 shooting, 8 rebounds, 4 block shots. And then just uh, 2 points for Philmon Geberwood in 18 minutes. And then 3 points off from the free throw line. And 4 rebounds for Erol Penn in 21 minutes. Now 24th ranked Providence hosting Villanova at the Amp. Providence got off to a hot start leading 17 to 7 in the early goings and their biggest lead was uh 15 which they got to try to find where they got it I'm going to find it whether whether you like it or not Yeah, they got their biggest lead towards the end of the game. But that big start to the game, Villanova, they caught up and cut it. They actually took the lead 40-39 in the early stages of the second half on a dunk by Cam Whitmore. But once Providence reclaimed the lead at 42-40 on a three by Noah Locke, they never turned back. Villanova gets swept by Providence 85-72. Four starters and double figures for the Friars. 21 points and 10 boards for Ed Croswell in 32 minutes. 19 for Bryce Hopkins to go with 12 rebounds. 5 of 8 from the floor, 2 of 3 from behind the arc. 16 for Noah Locke on 6 of 9 shooting and 2 of 4 from deep. Devin Carter, 12 points in 26 minutes, 4 of 6 from the floor and 1 of 2 from behind the arc. Jared Bynum, 9 points in 27 minutes. Alan Breed, 5 points in 17 minutes. And then uh, they got a bucket from Jaden Pierre and a free throw from Corey Floyd Jr. Friars has a hold nearly, well, they shot 56% from the floor. Inside the arc was where they were really efficient at 20 of 30. And they hold Villanova to under 30% from behind the arc and just 40% overall. Eric Dixon leads the way with 18 points and 8 rebounds. 6 of 11 from the floor. Perfect from behind the arc at 3 for 3. Justin Moore with 17 points. 5 of 13 from the floor. Just 1 of 7 from distance. Caleb Daniels also 1 of 7 from from behind the arc. 4 of 14 overall. 11 points and 7 boards. 10 off the bench for Mark Armstrong in 19 minutes. Kim Whitmore 7 points. In 26 minutes. And then. Brandon Slater. Brendan Housen. And Chris Archidiacono. All knocked down a three. So Providence now. 12 and four in the league. Villanova down to seven and nine in conference. And then the Saturday night showdown. At Carnesecca. 18th ranked Creighton. Visiting St. John's. Creighton a 10 point lead at the half. St. John's Really. Yeah, you know, they pressured Creighton in the second half and started that second half on a 17 to six run to take the lead with 11:53 to go. But once Creighton re- re- regained the lead on a pair of free throws by Ryan Nemhard, I mean it's not surprising that Nemhard was the guy for Creighton in this game, considering. It's where he suffered his season-ending wrist injury a year ago. And the big kicker, Creighton closed this game on a huge run. 58-57 with 6.5 to go. They got a three point barrage courtesy of Arthur Kaluma, three straight threes in the span of about two and a half minutes. And and that does St. John's in. It was actually a, if we want to be exact, an 11 0 run sparks Creighton to a 77 67 win. Nemhard with 16 points, four of 10 shooting, and two of four from distance. Arthur Kaluma, 13 points, six boards, five assists, three of six from behind the arc, and those three three pointers came in that stretch that I alluded to. Ryan Cockburn with 12 points points and eight boards, four block shots. Trey Alexander with nine points in 34 minutes, and uh, Sharif Mitchell also provided nine points, all from behind the arc. Mitchell's not known as a three-point shooter by any stretch of the imagination, but he came up big in this game. And that's what you want a senior like Mitchell, well, junior. I mean, he's been around four years, though, at Creighton. That's what you want an experienced guy like him to do. Mason Miller with eight points in 11 minutes. Uh, Baylor Shireman limited to just seven points, one of 11 shooting, one of seven from behind the arc. Meanwhile, for the Johnnies, big reason why Creighton won this game. 13 three-pointers. St. John's just four. Leading the way for the Red Storm, Joel Soriano, 15 points and eight boards. David Jones with 14 points and 28 minutes off the bench. And by the way, I mean, the drama just continues. Rafael Pinzone, like Curbelo, suspended for not adhering to team standards, quote-unquote. AJ Stored, nine points. In thirty minutes, uh, a for Omar Stanley who knocked down a couple of trays in this game, which yeah that's a that's a surprise, and then Dylan today Wusu Pasha Alexander each with seven, Kobe, uh, Kobe King with five, almost said Kobe there, and then uh Azai two points in six minutes, so the drama. Well, the uh, I mean, the drama, uh, the off-court drama, continued for the Johnnies, and so did the lack of on-court results. And then Sunday, in a game that definitely surprised me, considering how Butler started this game, Butler was up nineteen to six seven minutes in, but Georgetown went on a 12-0 run to get it down to one. Butler still led by five at the break, but that run was what kept Georgetown in the game. And the moment that the momentum swung in Georgetown's favor, I mean, it was 54-47. Bryson Mazone knocks down a three with 10 minutes left or so. And then Brandon Murray's circuit shot, circus shot layup just kept the momentum going. And Jay Heath put the Hoyas ahead with a three Make it 55-54. But Georgetown regained the lead for good on a jumper by the returning Caduce Wahab. And Georgetown made enough stretches plays down the stretch to win this game. For their first road win since February 27th of 2021. 68-62. Brandon Murray with 17 points to lead the way for the Hoyas. 14 for Caduce Wahab who came off the bench in his return 14 points, 8 rebounds in 26 minutes, 5 of 6 from the floor, 4 of 5 from the free throw line. Jay Heath with 12 points 7 off the bench 7 off the bench for Bryson Mazone in 28 minutes, 8 rebounds. Uh, Primo Spears 7 points on a hideous 2 of 13 shooting. A cook, a cook with five points in 14 minutes. Perfect from the floor, made a three and a two. And then Wayne Bristol Jr. with five points in 13 minutes. Also a free throw from uh, Bradley as a Ezeweiro. Rebounding helped Georgetown win this game. 45-29 edge on the glass. And the Hoyas got to the line a whole lot more than the Bulldogs did. Georgetown was 17 of 22 from the free throw line. Butler just 5 of 6. Percentage wise, Butler was better, but Georgetown got more chances at the free throw line. Meanwhile, Butler, Jaden Taylor with 21 points, which is a team high. 7 of 15 from the floor and 3 of 8 from distance. Ali Ali and Seamus Lukosius each with 11, but Lukosius just 1 of 8 from distance, 5 of 14 overall. Seven points for Eric Hunter Jr. to go with eight boards and five assists. Six each for Jalen Thomas and Chuck Harris. Thomas, seven boards. Harris, two of four from deep. Two of eight overall in 21 minutes. And that was all Butler scoring. Um, The Bulldogs under 30% from behind the arc, whereas Georgetown, five of 15. So that that was definitely a shocker. So here's what we know: teams that have clinched a buy, Marquette, automatically for sure. I think Creighton also has a first round buy clinched because they own the tiebreaker with sixth place Seton Hall. And then, let's see, but Marquette's still in first at 13-3, right? Then you have a three-way tie for second between Xavier, Creighton, and Providence, all 12-4. UConn, a distant fifth, which is weird to say, at 9-7. and seven. But those five teams are all in the top 25. Not only that, all in the top 20. Marquette at number 10, Xavier at 16, UConn at 18, Creighton 19, Providence 20 and more likely than not these will those will be the seven teams the five teams excuse me Jesus Christ I can't talk to save my life that will represent the Big East in the NCAA tournament so let's get into what ha- what's happening during this midweek slate starting on the men's side Xavier only favored by four and a half at home against Villanova. Like, stop. Xavier's going to win. And I mean, if you're betting on this game, hammer Xavier covering four and a half. Maybe the best game of this entire week in all of college basketball. The second game of that doubleheader on FS1, 10th ranked Marquette and 19th ranked Creighton. There's a lot different. There's a lot that's changed since the last time they met back in the conference opener December 16th. The elephant in the room being the fact that Creighton didn't have Ryan Kalkbrenner. And we all, we've all we all seen the difference he's made. 12-3 and three since he returned. And this is going to be different now because now we're in Omaha. Don't get me wrong, Marquette's an enticing pick. But I'm the the stat I want to point out, the top four teams in the conference, Marquette, Xavier, Creighton Providence, a combined 32 and 0 in Big East play at home. And I think that undefeated trend is going to continue. Not only with Xavier right before that, but with Creighton taking down the number 10 team in the country at home. Wednesday night. Another 630-830 double header on FS1, starting with 20th ranked Providence at 18th ranked UConn at Gample. You know, I know that uh Providence fans will call UConn soft for doing that, but like you gotta understand why. And I think a move like this now that Yukon's starting to figure it out again. I mean, look at how they are in the month of February. Actually, I man, if you want to go back all the way to January 31st, you know, after UConn had lost to Xavier, they had the bye week and they used it to their advantage. And since then, they've won four of their last five. And you know what? I think they're going to make it 5 of 6. So give me the Huskies winning at Gamble. Now, DePaul hosting Butler. I mean, I was already leaning DePaul before Butler lost at home to Georgetown. But I'm absolutely going to take him now. Give me the Blue Demons beating the Bulldogs at home. And then St. John's, Georgetown, 9 Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Georgetown hasn't won back-to-back conference games, again, since 2021. And in the regular season, the last time they d- did it was after they had their last road win in conference play prior to that most recent one, Sunday. And they followed that up with a, with a home win in their next game. And lo and behold, Georgetown is a home game Wednesday night after getting their first road win in conference play since February 27th, 2021. I mean, given how St. John's has been in terms of just being in shambles lately, you know what? Georgetown's going to go back to back and get their second straight win as I got them beating the Red Storm. as I, I have the Hoyas beating the Red Storm. Over to the women's side. Uh, four Biggies games happening tonight, starting with Saint John's UConn on SNY. It's all these games are at seven. Uh, the fourth-ranked Huskies, they got two good wins over the number three and number two teams in the Big East. What the latter of which against the second-best team on the road in a sold-out interim pavilion this is the chance for UConn now to clinch the regular season title at least a share of that plus the number one seed and they will cash in against St. John's DePaul visiting number 15 Villanova Villanova I think they already clinched the top three seed But they can move a step closer to clinching the two-seed with a win over DePaul. And I think they will do that. Give me the Wildcats taking care of business at home. Now, Providence at Georgetown. I got the Hoyas finishing the season sweep of the Friars. I think Providence is just in a really bad position as we speak. And I'm going to take the Hoyas. And then Xavier Butler at Hinkle. Xavier 0-17 in conference. Butler has won back-to-back games. Tic-tac-toe make it three in a row for Austin Parkinson and company. Gave me the dogs winning at Hinkle in the middle game of their three-game homestand before they play the regular season finale in Omaha. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. I'm right. This would be their second of three straight home games. And then last but not least, Creighton visiting Marquette. The last time these teams met in January, Marquette didn't have Liza Carlin. And Creighton capitalized on it and beat the breaks off the Golden Eagles sixty eight to forty two. Carlin's back. Marquette has looked really good. And with a win, Creighton can clinch a top three seed. But Marquette, if they want another big-time signature win, considering that, according to Charlie Cream of ESPN... Well, Marquette, they have one of the last four buys as of right now. But they can definitively put themselves in the field if they beat a quality Creighton squad. But I I just think Creighton's playing really well. They should have beaten UConn. As good as Marquette has been playing and Marquette actually beat UConn, I'm still going to take the Blue Jays winning in Milwaukee. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Igloo, y'all. Just going to wrap it up nice and quick. Thanks for tuning in. Catch y'all on Friday for another edition of the Igloo.